Welcome to the Infernal Mafia. That's Kayla. And that's Sarah. And today we're talking about blood. Blood clots. (laughs) And this is a continuation from the last episode. We just, we recorded too long, so we had to cut it in half. It's a two-parter. Yes. Yeah, in the, we're covering rare infertility diagnoses. And in the last episode, we talked mostly about gene things. <laughs> Genes. Did you know my, the, my, one of the favorite things that my grandmother ever said to her grandchildren, me and my cousins, was keep your genes in your genes. <laughs> <laughs> That's cute. Like when we were teenagers, it's a catchy way of saying, don't sleep around. Keep my your grandma genes said- in your genes. Stay away from those carnies. They like to steal little girls. (laughs) Also (laughs) solid advice, Grandma. (laughs) I'm like, I think I'm good. (laughs) No, you're not attracted to carnies? I don't think they're attracted to me. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. But anyway. Who doesn't love a good carnival? (laughs) Yeah. But yes. That episode we talked about things like um, genetic things that you could pass along to a potential child and why you would do PGS or PGD testing and other gene mutations and things like that. And in this episode, we're going to talk about blood clotting disorders, autoimmune disorders, alloimmune disorders, and and then we're just going to read off some other things that we heard in our Facebook group from some of you guys about maybe some not so common diagnoses that you have received. But we're going to get started with one that's near and dear to my heart. Yeah, Kayla's going to tell you all about blood clots and mother effigy. The mother effa. Here we go. And we'll move on to one of my favorites, blood (laughs) clots. Take blood it clotting away. disorders. <laughs> well, there's so there's two that are like doctors are all on the same page. Yes, these are blood clotting disorders, and there's no controversy. The first one being Factor V Leiden, which is the most common form of like a blood clotting disorder, genetic thrombophilic disorder. It's just a fancy way of saying blood clotting. So. Uh, yeah, okay. In addition to problems in pregnancy, this condition is felt to be the leading cause of clot formation in women who take oral contraceptive pills. I thought that was interesting. This condition is found in approximately 60% of women with gestational thrombosis, so that meaning like blood issues in pregnancy. So 60% of women that they end up having factor five once they get tested. In addition, the factor five Leiden mutation has been demonstrated in between 15 and 30% of women with recurrent early miscarriage, which would put you right square in the infertility camp with, if you have recurrent miscarriage. So that's factor five Leiden. The second one that's not debatable is antiphospholipid syndrome, which I have cause I'm an infertility freak. And it's an autoimmune disorder where antibodies attack healthy protein in the blood, resulting in blood clots. Okay. Now, the third one, MTHFR, the mother effer. Say it with me, Sarah. The mother Mother effer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
affectionately known as the mother effer. I also have that. But this one, I'm just going to put a disclaimer out there, is not... It is very debatable in the infertility world of doctors. Some think it's like totally hocus pocus and others don't. Or they're like, maybe, so let's treat it anyway, which is kind of the camp that I'm in because the treatment is not really... It's one of those like, well, why not? Why don't we try? Because it's not that expensive and doesn't have that many side effects. So Mm. MTHFR, though, is kind of double trouble because it causes blood clotting and a deficiency in folic acid for, you know, if you have a if you have a baby, if you've got a growing baby and we all know how important folic acid is to a fetus and low folic acid, you know, can lead to spinal and brain birth defects right right so but as it relates to your own health here's what's going on so mthfr stands for methylene tetrahydrofolate reductase and it's a (laughs) i can only roll that off my tongue because i've said it for years uh it's a gene mutation that affects almost 50 percent of the population Hmm. but Most people are heterozygous, meaning only one gene is affected, and that is not known to cause any risk, okay? So, you know, every every chromosome has genes from mom and dad, right? So in this case, only one parent passed down this mutation. But if you're like me and you got it from both parents and you're, you're homozygous for the mutation or compound heterozygous, I know I'm probably losing people. (laughs) That's only about 10 to 12% of the population. And that's the people I'm talking to that MTHFR could affect your fertility and pregnancy. Okay. So what happens is it's all about, I'm going to try This is one of those topics. Like, I feel like I know too much and I don't know how to explain it easily. So I'm going to try to explain it really easily. Okay. It's all about homocysteine. Okay. Homocysteine (laughs) is an amino acid and it gets metabolized by folate. Okay. So when you eat spinach and leafy greens or you take folic acid, it metabolizes this amino acid called homocysteine. Okay. People with MTHFR have the inability to metabolize homocysteine. Okay. So their homocysteine gets raised in their blood potentially, and that's what causes blood clotting. Got it? Okay. Yeah. So that's why people with MTHFR, what it it boils down to is everybody takes folic acid, or you get folic acid in all of our food now. Everything's, when it says enriched or fortified, it means it has folic acid. The problem is people with MTHFR can't use folic acid because it's synthetic they need bioactive folate l-methyl folate does that make sense yeah yeah yeah. i've heard that before (laughs) (laughs) that's why people with mthfr get prescribed bioactive folate instead of folic acid they need the real stuff so they can get so they can get rid of homocysteine metabolize it so they don't get blood clots so all of these that i just talked about 
cause blood clots and that's a problem because it it causes like restriction of blood flow to all your organs but in this case your uterus is the key where the baby is where the embryo is and that can cause implantation failure early in pregnancy um, but later on it can be even worse like placental detachment Oof. preeclampsia growth restriction stillbirth and and I guess the, the thing about MTHFR it's like linked to all these things it's one of those that it's linked when women with recurrent miscarriage are tested there's a a higher percentage of them that have mthfr so they think there's a link but there's not there haven't been enough like trials and testing for it to be proven that yes this is exactly what causes these things to happen right makes sense yeah so Treatment for blood clotting disorders largely is anticoagulation, so blood thinners, heparin, mm. Lovenox, baby aspirin, that kind of stuff. Hey, I'm on that one. You're on baby aspirin? Yeah. <laughs> That's an easy one. Which made, okay, <laughs> never mind. I'm not even going to go where I was going to go with that. <laughs> <laughs> But if your doctor prescribes an anticoagulant, that might be why. They're, they might see some like evidence that, or some reason why they might be afraid that you could have some blood clotting going on. It could be very bad for pregnancy. For anything, be, really. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's what we're talking about, like strokes and embolisms and heart attacks. Well, I, I'm sure you've read stories about pregnant people who are on bed rest and then they have the baby and then they go to stand up and then they just fall over dead oh my gosh sarah don't say things like that i know it's scary (laughs) it's very scary because they got a blood clot oh don't get blood clots if you can help it move your legs around (laughs) yeah so if you're on a long flight, get up and take Those a walk. Those are the things I think about. Yeah. Anyway, that was probably Very a rare. confusing. There, yeah. And I throw MTHFR in there because it's rare. It's like, I mean, it's from what yeah. you said, it sounds not rare though. <laughs> no, it's it's uh, having 50%, problems from it is yes, rare. Having problems from it is rare. Fifty percent have only one gene affected which means it doesn't affect your health most likely it's when you have two genes affected that it does and that's only 10 to 12 percent yeah of the population so and then of course our next topic auto and alloimmune disease I'm also okay i've never heard of alloimmune diseases until emily oh yeah have you heard of them yeah no i'd never heard of it i think you you probably have and just didn't know that's okay so i know what an autoimmune disease is it's pretty much a disease that makes your immune system attack things in your body it's a yeah it's attacking your own healthy tissues Mm -hmm. so what's an alloimmune alloimmune is when your body attacks a foreign object so Mm. like an embryo for example or your husband's sperm for example or an organ donor like if you were in a car accident and they tried to give you a new kidney or whatever or breast implants um well that's not tissue (laughs) 
<laughs> no. It's attacking a foreign object in your body. <laughs> no, that might be a you might be right about that. It might reject your implant. <laughs> it can happen. Get this thing out of me. Body's like, no big boobs for you. Nope. We're going to stick with the B cup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. So that's why. Um, yeah. Alloimmune is referring to and it's attacking something that's not yours. Okay. So my question is, after reading Emily's story, I have mm-hmm. a question. So do you want to read it before you sure. ask your question? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Emily says. I have an alloimmune disorder. Basically, after having our first son, my immune system decided it hates foreign DNA. My husband's and our embryos specifically. My body sees an embryo as a foreign enemy and will either not allow it to form in the first place or not allow it to survive. My doctor explained that this disorder is only bad for pregnancy or if I were ever to need an organ transplant. Awesome. To counteract my overactive immune system, I take uh, two times daily heparin injections, daily baby aspirin, and monthly intralipids IV treatment while pregnant. And is she pregnant right now? Or I have no idea. I'm not sure. I'm guessing she is since she's take it. She kind of said that in present tense. Uh, or if she's just referring to like in the future, she'll take them while pregnant. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. Either. I'm not sure. Okay. So my question is, is the RH factor an alloimmune disease? What is it? Uh, okay. <laughs> so you know your blood. You have mm-hmm. blood in your body. So, <laughs> if this Justin, <laughs> if the mother is like O negative and the father oh. is O positive, yeah, and the baby is O positive, if the baby's blood crosses over into the mother's blood stream, uh, her body will start attacking it. In mm-hmm. future pregnancies, her body will attack. It, no matter what. An embryo or baby, uh-huh. whatever. Cosmos carriages and just a lot Ugh. of problems. So is that the same thing? Like, I wonder if that's what happened or if that's something different. I think it could. I think alloimmune disease is a big umbrella that what you just described falls under. Right. So there, there's other like specific forms of an alloimmune disease, like what you just described, or it could be, um, I mean, there's other, like, that's more of a general term. Yeah. Alloimmune and I don't want to scare people because they can give you a shot if they think you're having a miscarriage or if you're going into labor, that will stop that from happening. Hmm. RH factor. So don't I feel like be scared. I've heard of it now that you described it. I've certainly heard. Yeah. You just have to get a shot and it will take care of that happening because one of my really good friends has that and she miscarried at seven weeks and her doctor did not give her the shot and she was freaking out. Mm. But um, she came back to the doctor that we both see and he's like, it's it's okay. You're not far enough along for it to 
cause a problem. Interesting. So if you have a negative blood type, that's something to think about. Yeah. So it's only with people with negative blood blood type. And if the father has a positive blood type, because I don't think that a baby can have a positive blood type if both parents are negative. Gotcha. Interesting. Good to know. I mean, I could be wrong there. If I'm wrong, someone tell us. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, but an alloimmune just means attacking foreign object, right? And then there's also, like you said, autoimmune, which is when the body attacks your own tissue, like healthy tissue. It. There's so many autoimmune diseases. There's so many autoimmune diseases. So many. And it's so complicated. And this is why if you know you have an autoimmune disease, and I'm going to list some in a second that are common, and you've had recurrent miscarriage or IVF failure, it might be worth your um, time to seek um, autoimmune therapy and or see a reproductive immunologist. Did you know that autoimmune diseases can show up after you give birth? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I mean, pregnancy just wrecks your body. Your body. It does. <laughs> your body's like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, some people come out on the other side, like, totally different. Not just, I mean, physically, like, lots of changes happen. Like, it messed up my blood pressure. Yeah. Well, and like Emily was saying, she had their first son, and now her body's like, um, no thanks. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen the first time. It's it, This happened after pregnancy. So... I need more information from Emily. Did they do IVF <laughs> with their first baby or do they have to do IVF or infertility treatments or maybe not? I don't know if she said they did infertility treatments. Uh, she did not specify that here, but she. Um, I assume that she has done infertility treatments. Yeah, I, I, well, I would assume maybe since she's in the Facebook group that she's, yeah, somewhere. People, but I'm sure there's people who haven't done infertility treatments in the Facebook group. Though. Yeah, right. So, so she may not have. Yeah. But she needs immune therapy. She knows she needs immune therapy going forward, even if she conceives naturally. Good to know. Yeah. That's great to know if she needs a body or an organ. Yeah. Yeah. But because. She, yeah. There are therapies that can help with that, which I will talk about in just a moment. All right. Well, let's let's dive into it. Real quick, factors that identify women who who might have an autoimmune disease are things like a family or personal history. Like if your mom and your dad has something like lupus or or if you have any of these, obviously, hypothyroidism, Crohn's. Hashimoto's disease, which is a form of hypothyroiditis, antiphospholipid syndrome, rheumatoid arthritis, like like Sarah was saying, there's so many autoimmune diseases. Multiple even sclerosis. Yeah, I would even throw in if you are someone who's just had chronic allergies and asthma your whole mm, life, you mm-hmm. all you might also be someone who might have a little bit more of an autoimmune. You know, that might affect your fertility more than someone Stomach who doesn't. Stomach problems. 
stomach problems you know <laughs> like um you know what i'm saying uh what's the what's the term um ibs yes ibs is that what you're gonna say that's what i was gonna say oh okay yes and ibs d that's the one with diarrhea oh yeah yeah <laughs> So if you have any of these things going on, you you might benefit from immune therapy. And uh, so what that looks like is like Emily was saying, she's doing intralipid infusions along with blood thinners. Um, you can also do IVIG inf- infusions, which is what I did. And then a lot of times corticosteroids like prednisone are also um, prescribed. And all of this is designed to quiet the immune system i think i did that one you did you took prednisone yeah right yeah i think so i think a lot of people take it um during an ivf cycle like during transfer time no matter what no matter what yeah even if they don't have any immune and it's just an extra precaution just let your body calm the f down exactly it's like listen antibodies take a vacation go put your feet up Get a drink with an umbrella in it. You don't need to do anything right now. Just chill out. Stop being so, so annoying. Right. <laughs> Just take a day off. You work 24-7. Take some time off. Right. Right. So the difference, bet- real quick, between intralipids and IVIG, because I get that question a lot. And you do. I do. It's intralipids, which is what Emily says she's doing. They're a little bit, they're less expensive than IVIG. And they traditionally target mostly natural killer activity. So if you know you have high NK cells. Mm. Um, and they, they're just a high calorie mixture of natural fats, like egg yolks and soy oil. Ew. So they're, Yeah. <laughs> I thought soy was like a fertility no-no. Well, I don't know. What if you're allergic to <laughs> eggs? Then you can't do intralipids. Then you're screwed. You can't. Or, yeah, you got to do. I guess you could do IVIG. So IVIG is more expensive, but it's a little bit further reaching in its ability to target and suppress an overactive immune system. So it's further reaching than just NK cells. Because it's going to, it can target like antibodies and cytokines and all these other like. um, What is it? Is it fat? So IVIG is a blood product. It's derived from human plasma. Oh, plasma. And it's made up. Exactly. It's made up of normal and healthy antibodies. Immunoglobulins. Were you the one who said (laughs) you had a lot of plasma? I can't remember who that was. Uh, well, okay, this is how it, we were talking about IVIG, which stands for intravenous immunoglobulin therapy. And w- they pump you full of plasma, which, and this plasma has all these normal, healthy immunoglobulin, glob- goblins. <laughs> I always want to say immunoglobulins. And it tells your crazy psychotic antibodies to just like you said calm the f down you put all these normal ones in it's your friend that's like listen your crazy is showing put it away no one ever listens to me (laughs) 
And I'm like, okay, maybe something's up here. <laughs> maybe you should think about this. They're like, you're against me. Mm. Anyway. Well, then you you are the IVIG in your friendship relationships because you're telling, that's what it is. IVIG is your friend who tells you your crazy is showing. You need to calm down. And just if stop I could it. just make decisions for everyone, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I think you said because I had IVIG infusions throughout my pregnancy every two weeks, and you were like, "Does that mean when you donate plasma, you get more money?" <laughs> yeah, it was. Someone said they have more plasma than normal. Oh, it was me. It's from another gene mutation that I have. That I'm not going to get into right now high one plasminogen activator inhibitor but maybe they don't want your plasma since you need this therapy <laughs> no they probably don't want anything of mine they're like i don't think we want that <laughs> we're gonna no, they take a hard pass on that one <laughs> no they absolutely would not want my plasma for this because i have the crazy antibodies yeah, that'd that be would bad. be like jokes on you. I just pumped you full of <laughs> crazy stuff. <laughs> yeah, that would not be good. So that's the difference between IVIG and intralipids, which I feel like get interchanged. Like people use them. People know their immune therapy, but they don't know the difference. That's the difference. So. Anyway, moving on. Do we have any other little outliers? Um, I said pituitary gland tumors. Mm. That can cause high prolactin levels. Right, which are next. Besides that, they usually don't cause too many problems. I mean, sometimes they can. Yeah, our comment from Micah. Here, I'll read it. Because it has to do with high prolactin. But she she said she doesn't have a prolactinoma, which is... Another name right. for a pituitary gland tumor, I'm pretty sure. Okay. She just has high <clears throat> prolactin levels. Okay. Um, she says, I don't know if my situation is rare, but I have high prolactin. <clears throat> no prolactinoma, though, like you said. And low progesterone. A combo of these with my husband's low sperm motility has made things difficult to conceive. I've never been able to get pregnant. I've done Clomid for the progesterone and Cabergoline for the prolactin. My levels seem fine on both of those, but even after three IUIs, no dice. We've been trying for four and a half years. Money is definitely a factor and has been a barrier to seeing a fertility specialist. I've been trying Eastern medicine for the last three months, Chinese herbs and acupuncture found out the other day by doing labs that it's not helping yet we are finally moving forward with going to a fertility clinic i wish people wouldn't have to go into so much debt just to grow their family me too girl yeah i think we all feel you there for sure yeah yeah but i think high levels of prolactin interfere with fsh hormone right like they cause they, they pretty um, much suppress everything. Yeah. It's like you're permanently breastfeeding. So I wonder if she lactates. <clears throat> mm. Because that's why they say you can't get pregnant while breastfeeding. Well, some people do, of yeah. course. But um, it's because of the hyperlactin. Gotcha. Levels. 
Mm. Which I wonder, like, when she does get pregnant, if she'd have a super supply. (laughs) Yeah, she might. If you do, you should sell your milk to bodybuilders. Because they'll pay a lot for it. Or donate it to the local NICU. Well, (laughs) or do that. Well, I don't know if they just take milk. Yes, they do. They do? Yeah, they test it. I mean, I don't think they'd take my milk because I'm on Zoloft. Um, I don't know. They'd have some chill babies. <laughs> and I don't know how to treat high prolactin. Do you know if there's a way? What? How to treat high prolactin? I don't. Hmm. I mean, they test for it. Like, that's one of the first things. Yeah, that'll be in your, like, initial testing. Yeah. Micah, we need more details. Yeah, because, I mean, it sounds like there's a medicine for high prolactin levels. We always need more details. Hmm. Okay, and this last one is from Brett. And she has Asherman syndrome, which I had never heard of. That sounds familiar, but I don't think it's what I'm thinking it is. She says, it's considered rare, but I think underdiagnosed would be a better description. She says she got it from a DNC for a polyp. Wait. Um, sucks. Okay, so it's something you get? Yeah. She says, aggressive scraping or infection in the uterus can cause Asherman's, which is characterized by intrauterine adhesions. And so she got this, she, well, the scarring blocked both of my tubes at the proximal uterus ends. Brett is very smart. That's probably a better place to have them blocked than the finger ends. Why do you think? Because uh, once those little fingers are damaged, you can't fix them. Mm. It's like breaking your fingers. They just. As opposed to your arm. (laughs) As opposed to your shoulder. (laughs) so she said it's difficult to repair and can render you infertile if if the surgery to fix it isn't done carefully i believe micro scissors are the preferred instrument and lasers are strongly discouraged yeah it sounds really complicated to unblock fallopian tubes like how tiny they are a lot of the time unblocking them just doesn't work like once once they're blocked It'll probably keep coming back because of scar tissue. Oh, man. But I don't know about the uh, adhesions inside of your uterus. Mm. Well, I she, think she included a picture of her adhesions. Oh, she, oh yeah. And it was an it was an x-ray. Yeah, it was an HSG, I think. And she said what you are or what you described is what she's afraid of. Is that... It's it'll come back and then she can't like, you know, the egg can't move on down. If so you do I IVF, that, that's not necessarily a problem. I'd be worried about. The I know, but she's adhesions. not doing IVF yet. Oh, she's, she's not there yet. I thought she was. Nope. Oh, well, I mean, after. If you get it cleared, you have probably a window of a couple months. Yeah, I don't know when her surgery was. Not sure. Like, probably three months. I, I have no idea, but 
before I had my tubes removed, I was in a baby center group of people with block tubes. Mm. Not very many of them got pregnant naturally. <laughs> there were a couple. There were a couple. They took they took this medicine, not medicine. It was a supplement that I ended up getting and it was some sort of like moth. It had something to do with moths and silk. Mm. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. It was expensive though. And it's supposed yeah. to um soften adhesions and things like that in your body. Interesting. But I didn't have time for that. <laughs> so she I'm looking at her comment now. She's got she has insurance coverage for IVF and she thinks that that's going to be her best. Like I think she wants to do IVF because she thinks because she's afraid of all these other issues. And but she can't get coverage until she's done six IUIs. That okay. Fail. That's so stupid. And I know. That's so I know, especially dumb. considering the rate of success for IUI when it works is like what, 15 to 20 percent. And it just it gets it just tanks after you've done it two or three times. Your odds don't increase if you keep doing it. it and it depends on your diagnosis. Right, of course. If you're unexplained, they're like, well, let's try IUI. Yeah. But if you have a sperm issue. Right. Then I know. And a fallopian tube issue. Right. There's really no point in doing IUIs. Yeah. They're just going I, to put hormones in her unnecessarily. Mm. So for stupid insurance. But at least she has insurance. True. Because a lot of people don't even have it at all. So I guess that is one thing to be feel positive about, even though, yeah, I agree with you. That's not, it seems really backwards. Let's try this thing that doesn't work six times <laughs> before we do the thing that does. Let's beat the dead horse <laughs> six <laughs> to times. To a bloody pulp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... Listen, IUI works for people. I know a lot of people that it's worked for, but they, mo in most cases, they didn't have these other things going on. Usually, it's a female ovulation issue that I've seen at work. Yeah. Yep. It's definitely, I have not seen it ever work with someone with a sperm issue. Mm -mm. But I'm sure it has. I'm sh I mean, like, yeah. Sure. Whatever. We don't have to. Sure. Brett, keep us posted. But yeah, Asherman syndrome, it's pretty rare. I could see it happening rare. after um, having a baby, too. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, it's, she got she, she got it from a DNC. So anybody Her that's had a DNC for any reason, because it's scraping, aggressive Ugh. scraping or infection in the uterus. I think there's a lot of, not a lot, so, but there's more than one thing that can cause an infection in the uterus. Oh, yeah. So. So many things could cause an infection. Right. So, so if you've had an infection. Just wondering who did the DNC. Like, was it an RE or was it like an emergency room doctor? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. What kind of doctor did this to you? We need more details. 
Ah, yes. Okay. So we have now made it to Out of the Box. Out of out the Box. Out of the Box. Unless you wanted to talk more about weird diagnoses. No, I think we covered a lot. Yeah, we did. And unfortunately, we probably didn't cover a lot. Oh, and yeah. we could be here like for days talking about rare diagnosis C's. But we thought we'd try to cover some of them. And like I said, if you have one, let us know. Because it might help somebody else. So true. Oh my gosh, I just put plural in Google and it says plural of diagnoses. Of diagnosis. Do you think my computer's it? listening to us? <gasps> Your computer is listening to us. I'm really creeped out. (laughs) (laughs) They're listening to us. Have you seen the the meme? Like people in the 70s are like, we can't talk about this on the phone because they could be (laughs) wiretapping us. And then now they're like, wiretap. Show me videos of kittens. (laughs) (laughs) You can wiretap me all you want. Just keep my cute animal videos coming. Speaking of, it's time for you to finish your story about your. Oh, you don't want to do yours first? Well, we can do mine first. We can do mine. Yours is probably better than mine. So. I wouldn't say that. I last time talked about how I was going to give you guys an update on my. My adventures at the gym. (laughs) Uh, When you got up to get water, I was like, she looks skinny. Oh, please. No, you do. <laughs> I don't lie to people. If you didn't look skinny, I wouldn't tell you you look skinny. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, Sarah, but that's impossible because I weigh the same amount. <laughs> I think <No>. you're toning. <laughs> so the first we- I've been at it for two weeks now. The first week was like gangbusters. Here we go to the gym every day. You know how you do. And yeah, I ate really well. And I like, I mean, I was a little too aggressive. I dropped about, okay, my starting weight was 157.8. And then when I got on the scale a week later, it was 153.8. Whoa. Too much. And you're tall, so... I think it just comes off so fast right at the beginning when you start, or it does for me. But then week two, I kind of fell off the wagon because I had some company and I didn't get to the gym as much and I ate biscuits and gravy and that kind of thing. So so I'm back up to 155.3, which is about a better pace. (laughs) That's not a bad weight for your height either. No, but I want to drop... I would like to lose 15 pounds, at least. Should be easy enough. Yeah. That's what I want to do in like six months. I just oh. threw that out there. Yeah. Three months? Yeah, I could see you doing it in three months. <laughs> oh my gosh, I don't know. Or six four, months if you don't want to Four like months? Have your Dang life it. If I say it on the podcast, it's out there. Four months you know? from today? Four months from two weeks ago, like when I started. We'll say four months. So I'll check in periodically and let you guys know how it's going. But I have to tell you my funny story about Zumba. Oh, yeah, with the old ladies. Yeah, I went to a Zumba class on a Saturday morning. 
and it was full of old lady cougars. <laughs> I'm looking around. I'm like, okay, cool. These ladies are getting their getting their workout on. This is good. Getting their heart rate up. And the instructor walks in, and he's this fine-looking Latin guy. <laughs> oh. He was so good-looking. And then... And then we get started, okay? And I don't consider myself that, like, uncoordinated. I can dance. And I was, like, so lost. (laughs) I'm like, everybody goes left and I'm going right. Everybody goes back and I'm going front, just running into everybody. I was that person. Oh, no. But owning it. Like, if you looked at my face, I was acting like I knew exactly what the hell I was doing. You're like, hey, what's up? And then I'm thinking to myself, how do they all know where, to, like, how how, do, how does how do all these old ladies know what they're doing? And I don't. I think it's because they go every single week and they've memorized the routines. Of course. <laughs> so I... Was I mean, it wounded my pride a little bit that these old ladies were out dancing me, out Zumba-ing me. But I still had fun looking at the instructor. <laughs> Are you going to go back or have you gone back? I haven't gone back to Zumba, but I might this weekend. Should. Because it was fun. Sneak a little picture. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'll post it in the Facebook group if I can sneak a little picture, guys. Ooh. There's another reason to join the Facebook Someone's going to be like, that's my husband. <laughs> oh, no. Actually, you probably shouldn't post his face. Right. No, but I didn't I didn't even see his face. Just post his butt. I saw him from behind the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> and I was A-OK with it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Tell me your story. Okay. So I did the Ancestry DNA kit, uh, got my results back on Mother's Day. So I was with my whole family and it said there was this guy and it said first cousin. I was like, is this my mom's first cousin? Who is this? Turns out I have an illegitimate cousin that no one knew about. What? (laughs) Yeah, because we had all the same matches on my mom's side. Mm -hmm. And my mom did this a couple years ago, but she hadn't been able to get into her account (laughs) for like a couple of years. And she it said she was a match with him. And then she got into her account and it said close family member, which is what Peter's uncles and grandparents said. Like, it's closer than first cousin. Oh, okay. And so, she only has one brother. (laughs) So, he had a... more. He had a... No, it's it's her brother's kid. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. (gasps) Oh, he had a whoopsie. He's my first cousin. And I don't know if this guy knows that the guy he thought was his dad is not his biological father. Oh, or does wait. So you know who the person is? Yeah, I. They give you their internet name? stalked him. Yeah. Oh, 
This so is he, so playing fast and loose with ethics big time. Yeah, he graduated from the same high school as like my mom and uncle did in this small little Nebraska town. Oh, and scandal. He doesn't have any mutual friends. He's in his 40s, so he's like older. And his mom died in 91. And his the guy he thought was his father died in 2016. And my uncle is an a-hole, so I don't know if I <laughs> should even... I haven't talked to him in like 15 years at oh my least gosh. because he's such a prick. So your dilemma now is do you reach out to him and say, hey, I'm your long lost family yeah. that you don't know By about? By the way, you are the love child. Your mom was a hoe. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> And you might be entitled to a farm because you're the firstborn boy. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Maybe you should do some research before you talk to him <laughs> so you can have some good news for him. But if I, it's I don't just know like, hey, your dad's an a-hole, maybe don't talk to him. <laughs> no, I, I don't want to contact him. My brother's like, we should contact him because he yeah. wants to stir up trouble. But I was like, no, I don't want to like disrupt his life. Right. I'm in the camp of don't contact him. Like, I don't... What would I have in common with a 40-year-old guy? Like, I don't want a new family member. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I'm in in that camp. Don't contact him. Yeah, I don't want to be like, hey, everything you thought was a lie. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that could totally wreck someone's life, actually. Yeah. But I wonder if if he sees this. Like, he hasn't logged into Ancestry for a year. Yeah, I mean, maybe he knows. But it's just not your thing to tell. I don't know. Yeah, Yeah, I don't want to get involved. Yeah. Like, he's an adult. Right. Yeah. With But that is so interesting. And stuff. So, yeah. Turns out. I have a similar situation in my dad's family. All have he had like ten aunts and uncles on his mom's side, and then he found out. We found out. The family found out years later that the youngest child was the child of the oldest child. What? <laughs> so wait. So oh, like it was a teenage pregnancy. Exactly. It was oh, a teenage okay. pregnancy, and then this is back in the like nineteen incest. No, yeah, no, no, this is like back in the like 1910s, you know, when it would have been an enormous scandal to be pregnant and like, you know, 15. So the second oldest child wasn't like, oh, hey, there's. Did oh, not- I'm sure they were. I know that the family knew it was the then the extended family, like once everybody got older. Oh, but OK. The, their parents like, just the raised the child. Notice? Like it was like he was their son instead of. Was it better for him to be raised by adults? Essentially his grandparents. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was. But anyway. All's well that ends well. It just sort of rocked everybody's world when we found out when he was like in his 70s. Did he know? I don't know. Oh, if he didn't know, then that's sad. I know. I, I, I don't know. He's like, I'm sure uh, he my asshole sisters, my mom. 
Because it always seems like the girl that they thought was their sister, who was their mom, is a jerk. <laughs> That's so funny. My asshole sister's my mom. How many yeah. people can say that? <laughs> hopefully not too many. No, hopefully not. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, so that's that's an interesting story, too. Yeah. Does anyone else have any crazy family stories? Oh, I'm send sure them to us. they do. You know and, they do. Yeah, send them to us. InfertileMafia at gmail.com. And... Once again, join our closed Facebook group called The Infertile Mafia. Follow us on Instagram at Infertile Mafia Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review to hear lots of more freakish stuff on The Infertile Mafia. <laughs> and in our next episode, we're going to talk less about things we don't know and more about <laughs> things we do know. Uh, emotional baggage. <laughs> yeah. We have a lot of emotional baggage. We have a lot of things to say about emotions. And we don't oh have gosh. to know anything because they're subjective. <laughs> so That's we true. don't have to do any research. We will probably make less mistakes. <laughs> the question is, do we want to talk about all of the emotional baggage or do we want to talk about specific Specifics. Let's drag it out as long as possible. <laughs> Let's just air out all the baggage. Tell us what kind of baggage you want you, to talk about or you want us to talk do. about. Please do. Yeah. We want to hear about your baggage oh, and what you want to talk about. In my <laughs> my uh, TTC friend group, things blew up. Yeah. Baggage. I'm kind of annoyed about it. <laughs> but I'm just glad it doesn't have anything to do with me. Whoop, whoop. Yes, that's good. Anyway, so tune in for emotional baggage, everybody. (laughs) Thanks for joining the Infertile Mafia. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.